helping to take program the services here in Rocky Mount. The head of a great corporation died in his New York office of a heart attack. Later, when it came time to clean out his desk and collect his personal effects, a hand fishing line wrapped on a stick complete with bobber, sinker, and hook was found in the bottom desk drawer. It was probably the one he had used as a little boy on the family farm in the Midwest. Had that relic of younger, carefree days represented his real dream of what life was all about? He had gone to school, found a job, got married, worked hard, purchased a home on the installment plan, and won the other niceties of living. Children had come along and there was their education to think about. There were the promotions that had come from hard work and the passing of years. There were the clubs and the civic things, the professional associations, the crisis on the job and at home. And finally, the top job of the company that had grown very much larger with the passing of 30 years. The top job of all of its responsibilities to stockholders, employees, customers, researchers, and development, and finances. The kids were out of school and married now. It had, it had all happened so fast, with no real plan of any kind. It had been school, then job, then work, then promotion, and family and income problems, and suddenly there he was on top of the pile. And rummaging in his things in the attic or the basement one day, he had come across that old worn-out fishing outfit with its tiny hook for bluegill and the red bobber with the paint all peeled off. The string had almost come apart in his hands. And he sat there and he remembered that cool little creek with the summer smell of it, the green moss along the bank, the frogs plopping into the water, the water bugs skimming and the willows along the bank. He remembered the excitement of seeing that bobber suddenly disappear and the frantic tug of the fish on the line and finally a nice string for dinner. And suddenly he had wanted to go back. He had realized that that had been living. That had been real and satisfying. And somehow he hadn't done enough of it. He hadn't had time just to sit on a bank and fish for a while and chew on his twig and feel the sun on his back and wait for the bother to sink. The time and the leisure to listen to the voice inside and get things straightened out in his mind as to what was important and what wasn't. So someone had called him and he'd put the fishing outfit in his jacket pocket and he thought about it the next morning too when he took it to the office and looked at it again, and then finally put it in that bottom drawer, out of sight, but not out of mind. And then there had been the coronary, and that had been the end of that. The fishing outfit was still in the bottom drawer, and when his wife went through the effects they sent home from the office, she sat there with the fishing outfit in her hand for a long time. She saw him as a little boy and wondered why he had followed the course he had chosen. Life comes full circle. Now, uh, just recently, uh, Ronnie and I were on some of his, his grandfather's uh, land. I think he had a, at one time he had a lot of, a lot of land and over a thousand acres or something like that, or three or four hundred, excuse me. And we were looking at the land, it was an old barn that his grandfather had built. And I mentioned around, I said, wouldn't it be nice if you had a time machine and you could go back 80 years right now 
and see the family, the children, the building of the barn. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, it's, it's sad how generations come and go. The end to a generation of, of, of course, we have children and we, we continue in that process, but it's sort of sad to see that fade away. Sort of lonely. And there's two statements in this book, in the story, Life Comes Full Circle, that I think touches our hearts. One is a question. Had that relic, referring to the fishing outfit, of younger, carefree days, did that represent his real dream of what living was all about? And another little statement in the story is found in, and suddenly... He had wanted to go back. He realized that had been living. That had been real and satisfying. I think a lot of us live lives of, as someone said, quiet desperation. There's a movie, The Death of a Salesman, where when they lower him down in the grave, his son said, looks at him and says, he never knew who he was. He just never knew who he really was and what his real role was and what he was there for as they lowered him down in the grave. A lot of us, I think, including myself from time to time, are, we're engaged in role-playing. Role-playing. I heard a story about a man. That he purchased. The, he did it purposely. It was, I don't know how he found this doll, but it was a big doll, and it had hinges on it. And when you, you, you open it up, and there's another doll in there. And you open it up, and it's on, it, the second doll's on hinges, and you keep opening it up, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and it's about ten dolls inside of one. That, that represents you and I a lot of times as the layers of the roles that we play. There's a quote that I have hanging up in my garage. I plan on keeping it there until the day I die. A little plaque on the wall that moves me profoundly. It says this. It says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. And so when I consider generations that have come and gone, I often ask, did they live lives of quiet desperation? Were they dead or alive? Were they just role-playing did they live out their God-ordained purpose? You have one, you know. Your God-ordained purpose for being here right now in the flesh. You know, life is full. Too full, indeed. Someone once says that the average person spends 20 years of sleeping, 6 years of watching TV, 5 years of bathing and dressing, 3 years on waiting for others, 1 year on the telephone, some more. Uh, I have a a lady that calls me, and uh, she she calls. A, she's a sweet lady. I love her, but I don't know what she would have done if she had been born before Graham invented invented the telephone or whoever it was invented the telephone. I mean, if there were no telephones, because she wears that thing out. I mean, she she gets on that thing and she calls people, and she calls she calls a lot of people. But uh, some spend more year, uh, more than you know, one year on the telephone in a lifetime, four months of, tr of tying shoes and 32 years of working. And somewhere in the midst of all that, you must find out 
what makes you come alive. And the clock is ticking. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. Now maybe you say, well, that's sort of a selfish motive. You're dealing with you know, what makes you come alive. And yet, Jesus, our Savior, comes back and he says, you know, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, well, how much more is your Father in heaven going to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? It's just simple reasoning here. I mean, and I think of that word Holy Spirit, to them that ask, you know, uh, how often do we ask for more of God's Holy Spirit? Because that is the thing that's going to make you come alive. I mean, literally, at the resurrection, it's the thing that's going to make you come alive. But what about now? The thing that makes you come alive. You need more of God's Holy Spirit? Do you ask for it on a regular basis? Does God want us to live lives of quiet desperation? Does He want us to be dead or alive? Does He want us to role play our entire lives away? Does God want us to live out our God-ordained purpose right now? I think the answer is yes. He wants us to live out our God-ordained purpose right now. And He does not want us to live out lives of quiet desperation. We say, God... Show me your will. And God comes back and says, What makes you come alive? We say, God, what does the world need? And God says, Don't worry about what the world needs. You focus on what makes you come alive and go do that. You know, we can spend eternity trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. And God comes along and says, you figure out what makes you come alive and I will fit you where you need to be. A lot of times we wonder about opportunities. Well, you know, if I was good at something, would opportunities present themselves? I guarantee you, you figure out what makes you come alive and the opportunities will just unfold before you. You won't have to look. You won't have to beg. They will be there. <clears throat> Now, I've always thought that there's a difference between receiving God's Spirit and empowerment. Um, we have God's Holy Spirit, but not all people have been empowered. And sometimes that empowerment, you may look at yourself and think that it's lacking. You know, I'd like to be empowered by God. I, I read in the Scriptures where it says, and He called the twelve and began to send them forth two by two, and He gave them power over unclean spirits. Well, I have the Holy Spirit of God, but I don't think I have power over unclean spirits. I mean, I've never tried to cast out a demon and don't really want to, to be honest with you. But, uh, uh, but that's an extra added empowerment, let's say. Or he, he, he's, another scripture says he, that to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Well, that's an empowerment, you know, to heal people that are sick. And if you had it, you knew, you, you'd know you had it, you know. Uh, it would be something you really knew. You wouldn't walk up to a person and say, be healed and nothing happened. And that would be embarrassing. But if you had it, you, knew, you would know you had it, I think. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but, uh, and again, Scripture says, I will send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be uh, receive power from on high. 
But there's a reason why most Christians live out their lives without empowerment. There is a reason why. Something we can sink our teeth into also. We can know why the majority of people live out their lives without empowerment from God. Just like the man who lived, whose life, whose life came full circle and he never got around to doing the things he really wanted to do. Just like those millions who live out lives of quiet desperation. Just like the death of a salesman who went down in the grave, his casket was lowered, and his son says he never knew who he was. Just like the millions who are engaged in role-playing. The reason I think we lack empowerment is because we haven't dealt with this fundamental statement that is hanging in my garage on a plaque. And it says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. In other words, a lot of times we are guilty of not giving God anything to work with. Because we have not yet figured out what makes you come alive. And I'm not saying it's easy to figure out what makes you come alive. You can be deceived. You can not know. People can lie to you, tell you, I think you ought to be doing something, you know, this or that. And you can be pushed in the wrong direction. It, it takes a struggle to figure out what makes you come alive. There's nothing worse than a person who is role-playing. What do I mean by that? A person working at an area or in an area that does not make him come alive. It happens in churches. It happens in factories. It happens in big businesses. I used to work at a factory, and I bet out of a, a 500, there wasn't 1% that had a job where they were working, and it made them come alive. I could tell by the negative, you know, griping and all that, you know. Ugh, I just want to get this over with. These eight hours, watching the clock tick by. So, sometimes we can impose, people, impose things on people like, I want you to write articles, and yet you hate to write. I want you to preach, and yet the gift for preaching is not there. I want you to serve and meet people's needs, and yet you're not a people person. <laughs> you're barking up the wrong tree if you're trying to do this. Uh, I want you to do carpenter work, and yet mechanical work is what I love. Uh, many parents try to live, and this is a horrible sin here, many parents try to live their lives through their children, what, what they wanted. I, I reminded of a story about a man who... Uh, his father always wanted him to be a tuba player. And so he puts his son through hours of courses on playing the tuba. Well, this guy goes in years later as a, as a grown man for therapy. And he's got this, his arms is all screwed up in his chest like this. And, and uh, in therapy, they, they get him to release some of that anger and resentment for his father. Drumming that in, you will play the tuba. And he was able to actually to move his arms and relax. And even his physical body was a picture of that resentment, of that tuba-playing lessons, lessons every four hours, every day. And uh, so it's sad because, you know, if this was imposed on you, how are you ever going to know what your giftedness is? 
if your parents tried to live their dreams through you. And I'll tell you someone else that doesn't want you to know what makes you come alive. That's the devil. Because if you figure out what makes you come alive, you can be empowered if you figure it out. So there's nothing that the devil would rather do than just screw up our whole family systems so that you, you don't have a clue as to what your giftedness is and your purpose is and what makes you come alive. He would love that. And it does a fine job as far as I'm concerned, as far as some of the dysfunctional um, stories, that family and children and stories that you read about. If you want to be empowered, find out what makes you come alive. Now, I want to digress a little bit and, and discuss two areas here. I think it's possible to be empowered and not serve God. And I think it's possible to serve God and not be empowered. And a lot of times in the church, that's where we find ourselves. We find us with a heart that is wanting to serve God, but the empowerment is missing. You truly want to serve God, but that empowerment is missing. Men and women down... So let's discuss this. Empower, uh, you can be empowered and not even, not even be a Christian, is what I'm saying. Uh, men and women down through history have always been empowered. And uh, this nation was empowered for freedom. America's four great freedoms. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from want, freedom from fear. I think that was empowerment. Um, there was a guy in Doe Run. His name was Buster Williams. He could, if you were burned, he could touch you and take the fire out. And that, that's a person that's been empowered. I'm not saying they have the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying that's, that's a gift of empowerment. Uh, Empowerment is a common thing. So, when I talk about him being empowered and not serving God, or not being a Christian, I think, of some of the great musicians of our time, how do they come up with the talent? I think of some, even some of the stars of our culture, you know, you know, even some of the Hollywood actors able to touch you with a story, that giftedness, I think that's empowerment. Uh, famous inventions, electricity, the telephone. How do those people come up with this? I think it's empowerment. Uh, but, but it's not just as though God says, looks down and says, I'm just going to empower any John Doe down there. I think each one of these people gave God something to work with. You know what they gave him? They gave God that which makes him come alive. That's what they gave him. And God says, God, that's it. There's the empowerment key. What makes you come alive? What makes you come alive? <clears throat> now let's look at the other side. Uh, empowered and, and, and not serve uh, God. Okay, I just discussed that one, sorry. Uh, let's look at serve God and, and not be empowered. And, of course, the remedy of that is to give God that which makes you come alive if you're serving God and you don't feel empowered. But sometimes there are examples of people who are trying to serve God, but they haven't been empowered. Uh, these are people, it's obvious sometimes that something's missing. Uh, 
There are things you see, you feel sorry for them, or you feel embarrassed for them, or, or you realize the talent is not there, or whatever. But, but now, let's discuss something right here. What if you're a person that says, well, what makes me come alive has nothing to do with religion or church? You know, or what makes me come alive has nothing to do with serving the church. Now, don't sell yourself short too quick. If you're doing that, which makes you come alive, in your work or whatever, you will bring a certain attitude to church that people will... It's, a dyna, it's like a dynamo. It, it's, it, you know, if, you're, if you're doing that which makes you come alive, you have an attitude that people are attracted to. They feel something. That's a, there's an aura there. There's something about you that's exciting. You're not miserable with your head hung down and you come in with a long face and you're just, oh, you know, another day, let's get this over with. You add an excitement and a zeal. Also, if you're doing that which makes you come alive, I think you'll be financially blessed. I think it's just sort of automatic, really. So you can give to the church. You know? <laughs> <laughs> means more money and more tithes and offering, offerings or whatever. So what I'm saying, you know, all parts of the body, you know, they're not all the same parts. Each person contributes in a unique way. Whether you can connect that thing that makes you come alive to something that ties directly into the church or not, it is all tied in together. So if what makes me come alive has nothing to do with religion or the church, you know, maybe it's just that I love to build houses. I love carpenter work, whatever. One thing we can do, we can hang around people who have come alive. We can support a ministry that has come alive. You can look for God's empowerment in others. You know, I'd rather hang around one person that has come alive that has been empowered than 100, you know, dead wood or whatever, you know, just, just because it has an influence on you. Several points here I want to go through. Number one, Put yourself in the way of empowerment. Put yourself in the way of empowerment. I'm reminded of a scripture that says, Then said he to his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. And the words were spoken to a few men, twelve men. Each man heard these words. The laborers are few. Yeah, I never thought I would say this. And I'm not knocking organizational structure. But I never thought I'd come to this conclusion. Organizational structure has rendered us totally lazy and ineffective when it comes to the harvest. I mean, hey, well, let, 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 let somebody else do it. Let the ministry do it. Let, let anybody do it. You know, it's being taken care of. It's rendered us ineffective in some ways. And that's sad. That's sad because what we need to consider is with one man or woman who finds that thing that makes you come alive, you can have a really a, a, a profound effect on our culture and our society. What one man, what one, one woman can do each day, one day at a time. For the most part, empowerment comes to one person at a time. And it comes to the person who has found out what makes him or her come alive. 
Secondly, follow your giftedness. Follow, and another way of saying that is follow that which makes you come alive. <laughs> your giftedness. You know, don't spend eternity trying to convince God to empower you in areas that you're not gifted at. Idle hands is the devil's workshop. You know, he, he, the devil loves to get us to waste our time. Someone once mentioned to me, they said, why don't you do a, a radio program? I said, why? I said, we, we got Ron Dart doing a radio program. He's just a whole lot better at it than I ever would be. You know, why waste my time trying to do that? It would be a waste of time. And I'm no dummy. I mean, <laughs> his, his giftedness is in that area. I can identify that, and I know that. So use those individuals. Thirdly, follow what works. You know, the flow of God's Spirit and grace is, as I've often likened it to a wave that is building up out there. You're out in the ocean, you're swimming around, you see the wave, it's building up. And you say, I'm going to get that one. I'm going to ride it out. And the Spirit of God is a lot like that. You get on it, you ride it out, or you miss it completely. You know, you, you, you get on top of that thing and ride it out. Follow what works. Fourth, try to empower someone else. Do for others as you would have them do to you. Don't just think of yourself. If we can look for, and people need help in this area of understanding their giftedness. Sometimes you, a person can be blind to their own giftedness. And sometimes they, what a person needs is for someone to come up and say, hey, I think this is something you need to try. Or I think this is not something you need to try. Sometimes there is correction that needs to be given. So try to empower someone else. Um, because a lot of people don't know what makes them come alive. They don't have a clue. Couldn't tell you if they had to, if their life depended on it. You know, what makes you come alive? They don't know. So we need to help each other in these areas. Um, <clears throat> anyway, in closing, does God want to empower his church? I think the answer is yes. Does God want to empower you? I think the answer is yes. Does God want you to have a deeper life? A deeper life? I think the answer is yes. Does God want you to find that which makes you come alive? I think the answer is yes. You know, Christ said, I have, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. Life to the full. Look at, I want to turn to a couple of scriptures here in closing. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. Look at this. This is beautiful. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, it says, but, but as it is written, eyes have not seen nor ears heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit search, searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. You know, we look at that scripture and we think, well, that's a future event way out there. But look, right now, let's think about right now that, you know, the things that God has in store uh, for all of us is a great thing. It will make you come alive. Our last verse is Ephesians 3 and verse 16. 
Ephesians 3 and verse 16. It will make you come alive. Uh, last verse is Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Ephesians 3 and verse 16 says that, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with, his, with, with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. What does that mean to be filled with all the fullness of God? Do you think it might mean doing that which makes you come alive? That it may be connected with that? To be filled with the fullness of God? I don't know how many times I've thought, and it's the weirdest thing, I've thought, well, God probably wants you to do something that you wouldn't like. Yeah, I don't know why. That must be some type of dysfunctionality in my, you know, in upbringing or something that, that God would want me, would call me to do something that I just hated. Well, nonsense. It's going to be something you love. It's going to be something that fills you. It's going to make, give you something that, you know, that, that makes, your, makes your life. So, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. There is nothing so rare, someone once said, as an act of your own. There is nothing so rare as an act of your own. You know, you could go back 6,000 years and you couldn't find another human being just like you. You could go forward 6,000 years and you'll never find another one just like you. Never will be. There is nothing so rare as an act of your own. Your God-ordained purpose for being alive. I think God will empower all. Yeah, that's all who know what makes them come alive. 